It's not often you go into an Irish graveyard and come away curious about an African woman and a man charged with her murder. But that's what happened to Ronan Kelly when he was in Mount Jerome Cemetery in Dublin recently. Ronan was on his way to visit a grave there when he spotted a gravestone that stopped him in his tracks. The headstone is plain black with white writing. The writing reads, Funmi Aina, late of Lagos, Nigeria, born 27th of June 1942, died 1st of March 1965. Funmi, Funmi, a Nigerian woman in her early 20s in Ireland in 1965. What was she doing here and what led to her dying here? I contacted the administrators in Mount Jerome Cemetery and their records show that Funmi is the only person in the plot and that the grave was bought by a man named Lawrence from Lagos. But the records don't show what Funmi's relationship with Lawrence was. The cemetery records also show that Funmi died in hospital in Dublin. I then went searching the 1965 newspapers in Pierce Street Library in Dublin. I was looking for a death notice, but instead I found a news report with a big headline. Gardaí treat girls' death as murder. The papers tell us that Funmi was a commerce student in UCD. She lived in a flat in Harcourt Street with other students. But crucially, those early reports don't say why the Gardaí think her death was murder. To find that out, I had to go around the corner in Dublin from Pierce Street Library to Lombard Street and the Births, Marriages and Deaths office. I asked for Funmi's death cert. When it was brought out to me, the clerk looked upset as they handed it over. The death cert gave Funmi's full name, Olafunmilio Abiola Aina. Then, beside cause of death, complications following an abortion. Back to the newspaper reports. The 1965 journalists report that Garthi interviewed 100 students and were looking for a taxi driver who carried two people in Rathmines, Dublin, on the night of Funmi's death in March of that year. The papers described the two as a coloured man and woman. The next mention of Funmi in the papers appears three months later in June 1965. Then the headlines read, Nigerian student on murder charge. They report that a 26-year-old engineering student in Bolton Street was charged with Funmi's murder. His name was Augustin Adekunle Adabiyi and he was her boyfriend. He was charged with procuring or administering an abortion which led to her death. Augustine was the one who brought Funmi to hospital. When the case came to trial in the autumn of 1965, the court heard that he had walked through the main doors of St Kevin's Hospital carrying her. A nurse rushed to examine her but discovered no pulse. Augustine asked if there was anything she could do to help Funmi and she replied, I'm afraid not, she's dead. The nurse testified that this news seemed to make no impact on the young man and he said, why did she die so young? However, a doctor at the hospital testified that Augustine was upset and agitated. On hearing that his girlfriend was dead, Augustine then rang the father of a fellow student in Bolton Street. This man, Michael Wall, was a Garda superintendent. On the phone, Augustine told him that he was in trouble and said, Funmi is dead. Superintendent Wall said that Augustine was fully cooperative with the Garda. He himself brought Augustine to the flat in Harcourt Street where Augustine told her flatmates that Funmi was dead. One of the women collapsed at the news. Then Superintendent Wall brought Augustine to Augustine's own flat on Belgrave Square. But the superintendent recalled that Augustine didn't go into his own flat but to another one in the building 
where he played cards for some considerable time. At no point, the superintendent noted, did Augustine say anything to the other card players about Funmi or what had happened that night. According to the prosecution, this was, quote, extraordinary conduct in the extreme for a man of Augustine's position of bringing a dead girl to a hospital to be playing cards one and a half hours later. When Augustine carried Funmi into the hospital, she was wearing a grey frock, two jumpers, a red coat and calf-length brown rubber booties, but no tights or underwear. The prosecution said that this was significant. Funmi's younger sister, Elizabeth Aina, was at school in St Wollstone's in Selbridge. The next day, Augustine came to tell her that Funmi was sick and brought her to the Nigerian embassy, where they told her that Funmi had died. When he was interviewed by Gardi, Augustine told them that he had been in his flat in the evening studying when Funmi came around. Although they had been doing, quote, a serious line for six months, they had never discussed marriage and he was surprised when she came to his flat. She told him that she had been out for air and just popped in, but testimony from a taxi driver was that she had taken a taxi to a few doors down from his flat and walked the rest of the way. While Funmi was in Augustine's flat, she complained of dizziness and he suggested she lie in the bed. He applied cold, wet towels to her face, but then noticed froth at her mouth. He then went out and got a taxi to take them to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, he argued with the taxi driver that he was taking longer than was necessary to get there. Funmi's head was in his lap, and he kissed her. Augustine asked the guards if the fact that Funmi had been in his flat would appear in the papers. He said his parents would be raging, as he'd agreed not to go out with anyone until after he qualified. Court reporters at the trial were prohibited from publishing some of the medical evidence, presumably because it referred to pregnancy and abortion. But in its summing up, the defence relied on that evidence which said that earlier in the day, Funmi had been injected by someone to procure an abortion. And that the injection had been administered by someone with the required skill and knowledge, which Augustine didn't have. The defence said that while Funmi and Augustine were boyfriend and girlfriend, there was evidence that she'd had intimate friendships with persons who had medical skill and knowledge. When you read this, you immediately have questions. Did Augustine know Funmi was pregnant? Did she say the baby was his? What was she thinking when she went for the injection in the afternoon? Did she tell him who administered it? But there are no answers to these questions in the court reports because Augustine wasn't called to give evidence. In the reports of his summing up to the jury, the judge said they needed to prove beyond doubt that Augustine had injected Funmi causing the abortion which led to her death. The jury retired for two hours and came back with a verdict of not guilty. Augustine threw up his arms with relief and was immediately surrounded by other Nigerian students who'd been in court throughout the trial. And then Augustine disappeared, from the Irish records anyway. I just couldn't find him. I wanted to ask him what those months were like, what Funmi was like as a person, what he thinks about the time almost 60 years later. But I couldn't contact him. There's one man of the same name I traced to a company in London, but it wasn't him. An obituary reported on in the Nigerian papers talks of a retired engineer of the same name dying in 2017. But researchers I've been in touch with in Nigeria say it's a very common name and record keeping is not ideal. So it'd be next to impossible to find Augustine or his family or Funmi's family for that matter. So the telling of the story of Funmi and Augustine is left to be done in Dublin and it's done unsatisfactorily. 
by papers on microfilm in Pierce Street, where there are no photos and hardly any reference to their personalities. And there's the death cert in Lombard Street, which is equally sparse, with just the cause of death. And then there's the plain headstone in Mount Jerome, although this does have a few lines of verse put there by the man who paid for it, Lawrence from Lagos. They read, Funmi Aina, beautiful memories at dusk of day, neither time nor tears can take away. I was Ronan Kelly on the death of Funmi Aina in Dublin in 1965 and the subsequent charging with murder of her boyfriend, Augustine.